From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. We started Atlanta Born and Brand back in 2018 with the goal of bringing to light the incredible small businesses and entrepreneurs that make this city unique. Last year, we expanded our focus to give you a peek behind the curtain at some of the city's most iconic brands. We want to bring you stories from the whole spectrum of Atlanta culture. There are extraordinary organizations and companies in every corner of our city, both big and small. And this season, we can't wait to dig even deeper into the people behind them. Our mission for this show is that you know about and care about your neighbors. Because Atlanta is our city, and this is our story. We're sitting down today with Ford Fry chef and owner of several iconic Atlanta restaurants like Super Rica, St. Cecilia, Beetle Cat, The Optimist, and Little Ray, among others. He has cemented himself as an integral part of the Atlanta dining scene, opening up over 20 restaurants between Atlanta, Houston, Charlotte, and Nashville. From his childhood in Texas to studying at a culinary institute in New England and eventually making his way to Atlanta to work as a corporate chef, we hear why Ford decided Atlanta was the best place to put down roots and start his career as a restaurant owner. So, Mr. Ford, we'll jump right into it. Uh, yeah. to, to start off, I like to ask people the question, if, if somebody bumps into you on the street yeah. and, and ask you, and you, know, you guys meet, you're, you're hanging out, you're getting to know each other, and they ask you, what do you do for a living? What's your What's your answer to that question? I say like, I think I say I'm a chef, gone, restaurant guy, <laughs> you know, okay. because I'm not, you know, what I ma- mainly do for work is kind of, uh, what do you call it, um, like a producer to a film is like a producer to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But I started off as a chef, so, but I'm not yeah. like. So I'm not like in there chefing anymore. Mm. So I try to be honest. Yeah. So they're like, oh, okay. Now, 20 years ago, Ford, were yeah. you were you full blown chef, or did you have that sort of business guy in you that was just sort of waiting for the opportunity? 20 years ago, I was full blown chef. Uh, 20 years ago, yeah, had really no clue i knew i get bored easy so i knew one thing one restaurant wasn't gonna be enough for me so but i didn't really have a good clear vision of all right what's this gonna look like right you know right so now uh i, I read that you grew up in texas yeah uh, your first re- restaurant was was super rica the tex-mex no oh pardon me first, first restaurant was jct jct uh, in atlanta gotcha. yeah Yep. So tell me uh, the the roots in Texas and how that influenced kind of yeah. the rest of your career and what you ended up kind of gravitating towards. Yeah. Um, roots in Texas was as a kid. You know, we we called it, and this is really how it spurred into Superica. But mm-hmm. we called we just said let's go have Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, that was really. It was Tex-Mex, but we called it Mexican food, you know. And it, actually in the 70s, there wasn't even fajitas like we know right. it today. Because people think of Tex-Mex, they think of fajitas. Um, this was more enchiladas and other stuff. Um, but 
growing up in Texas, I'd say the biggest influence was cooking over wood. Mm. Uh, cooking over live wood. You would go into any restaurant and any restaurant that I liked, I noticed, and I still remember this day, you smell the burning wood going into the restaurant. And that's determined every single one of our restaurants. And I, I think it just determines the way I cook. I mean, whether it's our fine dining restaurants to say, you know, Marcel or St. Cecilia, we're all cooking over wood to Superica yeah. that's all cooking over wood. It's interesting you say, say that because I'm, I'm a barbecue guy myself. Yeah. And I mean, same thing, Texas roots, it's cooking over wood, the yeah. slow smoke, those different flavors from the, the yeah. wood that you're using to, to cook. Is that carry over into to what you guys are doing as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Going into JCT, okay, JCT had an operator. It was good for me because it's my first restaurant and it had a kitchen in there and it had this big gas grill, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, get it out of get here, <laughs> you know? And we put yeah. this brand new, awesome wood burning grill and yes. just, it was amazing. Get so. the propane as far away oh, as possible. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, right. there, you won't find one in any of our restaurants. Yeah, so, so uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we all have those little experiences as a kid that's maybe our first you know, my six-year-old loves to help me do pancakes yeah. on the on the griddle, and I think that's kind of his first. All right, I'm helping out. I'm yeah. being a part of the, the cooking process. What was your What was your cooking history like? Where did that first start? Okay, well, it was mainly at my grandparents' house. Mm -hmm. I would say, um, you know, it's either my grandmother and her housekeeper mm -hmm. uh, really cooking together. Uh, and she was the sweetest lady. I loved her. And, she, you know, she's cooking greens of some sort with <laughs> some sort of piece of fat salt pork in there. And I'm always mm. stealing the big fatty pieces out of there. <laughs> or my granddad um, cooking the turkey on Thanksgiving. And he cooked okay. his turkeys in uh, uh, a paper uh, grocery bag, <laughs> which <laughs> I don't know if anyone else did that. But it was awesome because we just tear this grocery bag out and... He was the one who carved the turkey. So he, mm -hmm. myself, and my mom would be the ones that hover around and eat all the like the fatty scraps yep. and the turkey oyster and whatever before yeah. we even served it. So those are those are my memories from a in the kitchen. Yeah. But I have tons of memories of traveling. Mm -hmm. I would say more of traveling and eating at nice restaurants. Hmm. So So that was where you kinda of caught the bug. I, I think so. You yeah. know, I love the restaurant experience. Yeah. Um just through travel we would go to say we went to paris it would be like hey let's go to guy savoie for lunch mm -hmm. oh you know while we're there we'll go look at the eiffel tower right it was kind of like that you know food was yeah. always top of the list food drove the uh yeah. drove the itinerary yeah. and you just kind of hit whatever was on along yep. the way yep that's cool um so I was I was reading up I guess did you go to culinary school in New England is that I did so Texas to New England culture shock much I did a sidestep to um, yeah. Arkansas University okay. of Arkansas joined a fraternity but, uh -huh. but because previous to that I had worked in some restaurants as a server and a busboy and I was right. horrible I think I probably got fired <laughs> but I mean I when I say horrible I was horrible uh, so I thought, okay, I, I guess I'm not meant for the restaurant hmm. business because the chef wasn't on anyone's radar at that point that, that I knew. Hmm. So I go off to culinary school. No, I go off to Arkansas and join a fraternity. Don't go to class. Hmm. Make a one nine my sem first semester. <laughs> you know, it's so bad. Uh, 
So I was there about a year and a half, and then my dad just said, hey, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal about fast track careers. Okay, hands down, <laughs> not a fast track career for, but uh, so I looked at uh, three different schools, um, and I went to New England because I got the brochure, and there was a there was a guy skiing down the mountain. So I said, I'll go to that school, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so really, I went, and it just clicked. Once I got there, I, I okay, I like this, you know. This is yeah. what I'm meant to be, and then. Psh, now, did you get a pretty general um, kind of rundown while you're there in New England, or was it New England influence? What what kind of things did you learn there that maybe you hadn't experienced previously? Yeah, so I'd never cooked in a restaurant before. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cool thing about the school I went to, we ran an inn, okay? So we had uh, two restaurants, a bakery, actually three restaurants, well, no, two restaurants, one that was like lunch and dinner, and then one was fine dining dinner. Mm-hmm. We had banquets, we had a bakery, we had an employee cafeteria. Awesome. Um, so we had all these things. So we were like, we complained back then. We complained like, wait a minute, why am I paying 30 grand to be the dishwasher? Why am mm-hmm. I paying 30 grand to wash, to clean the kitchen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a complete, full-on reality like we were the cooks in the restaurant that served guests so it was a fantastic experience so I'm cooking in the restaurant with a chef who's helping me along you know through the whole process and then we break it all down and we scrub the floors every night so we worked six days a week Uh, so it was just a reality so but become from the New England side yes I mean it was cool because there's a lot of using maple as opposed Mm -hmm. to sugar um lobster bakes and clams and you know definitely all the ingredients of new england were incorporated in everything we did so well and we're sitting in yeah the oyster bar right yeah that's right so there's the new england influence uh you know the uh the next season of your life it seemed like you're a little bit of a nomad you kind of went in different parts of the country and and uh you know was it where it was a chef under other restaurant owners i assume and yeah talk about you know, what were you looking for, you know, before you finally started to, to say, okay, settled in a place and, and ready to kind of make my own mark on something? What, what was that, that recipe you were looking for? You know, I think, I think as a chef, you go through different stages, mm-hmm. um, or at least I did. I went from a stage of, all right, I'm cooking someone else's food to mm-hmm. I'm cooking someone else's food, but occasionally I'll get to create mm-hmm. a special and that gets on the menu. Right. And then I get excited about that. And then I get to a place where I get to write the menu for the restaurant. Um, You know, so that was all, that all happened. And then I got recruited here to, I had my first son, he was one. I was living in Aspen, Colorado, and got recruited to this, you know, basically a big home meal replacement market thing that we produced thousands of pounds of food and managed 250 people Hmm. so it wasn't very glamorous when it comes to the food but i really learned the business side and then became a corporate chef and then learned how to run the business from that point so that Hmm. was the next stage was the business side of things so just the natural next step was Mm -hmm. all right i got to get into my own restaurant so that was really that it was it, it you know, in the way for, for a while there, I was looking at it as, okay, I got this idea. Let me find a location for this idea. And that took two years. 
with no success. There was just, it was too hard to start with a location, start with an idea and then find a location. And what happened, what ended up happening was, okay, let's scrap that logic and let's find a location and then let's create something that I'm passionate about mm. that will fit into that location that makes sense for the neighborhood, mm. makes sense for the rent, makes sense for the size, um, all of that kind of stuff. And that's where JCT was born. Yeah, that's interesting. So rather than, you know, taking the restaurant idea that you had and sort of shoehorning it in, you know, yes. a place maybe it doesn't fit, yeah, it's yeah. okay, what does this neighborhood need? Yeah. What? That's, that's very interesting. Uh, what was it about Atlanta, you know, you talked about maybe the, the job you're working wasn't super glamorous, but it, you learned a lot there. Yeah. You'd been to all these other places. Uh, did you make a conscious decision, okay, like we want to stay here? Uh, and what was it about Atlanta at the time that you felt was, was conducive to, to your first restaurant? You know, I think it was that because I was here and I knew vendors, I knew mm -hmm. cooks, and I knew I could have that was a little bit of a leg up. If I were just to pack up and move to some other city, like I thought about Austin at one point, you know, you know, I didn't know anybody or I didn't have that network, you know, so I had a network here. Uh, I had a, uh, two little boys um, who were already kind of finding their way and their friends and we loved Atlanta. Um, we have North Georgia, we have the mountains, my wife That's loves right. hiking. Yeah. We can drive down to the beach, any beaches all over, mainly like 30A, Rosemary, all mm. that stuff. You know, it's just a great, it's just a great spot. You know, mm. Houston was, where I grew up was flat, hot, <laughs> muggy. Um, <laughs> where Atlanta, people say, okay, it's hot Atlanta. No, no way, you know, Atlanta's great <laughs> compared to that. See, it's it's um, good to have that perspective. You know, trees yeah, and right. hills and- um, yes. Same traffic. So we love it, yeah. yeah same traffic, traffic yeah. but you yeah. know, add, add trees and hills to Houston and we're, we're cooking we're with gas, right? Yeah. Or cooking with wood, I should say. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, um, talk to me about that first experience with JCT. I think you guys opened, is it 07? 07. Uh, and you had been through all these experiences, you know, I'm sure, you know, anytime somebody goes into something new, I think we all as entrepreneurs have a little bit of a, um, a cockiness or a confidence of, okay, like I'm ready, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then we all have that experience, however long in was, yeah. of, okay, maybe I didn't know as much as I thought I did. Did you have one <laughs> of those moments at JCT and, and how did you navigate through if you did? Yeah. You know, I, I, my goal opening JCT was I needed to know everything. I needed to know mm -hmm. the, the front, the back, the office, the payroll, mm -hmm. paying the bills. I wanted yeah. to know everything. So I worked all the time. I expedited. I did, there wasn't a plate that went out that I didn't have my eyes on. Um, and for the most part, I was fairly confident about what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, the interesting thing that was that I was looking at our uh, our accounting system and I'm looking at our bank account and just the 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 dollars of what we're making was just going up and up and up mm. at a really rapid pace, you know? Mm. Um, I'm like, wow, we're making money, you know? Because usually I'm thinking, okay, I'm writing the payroll and do we have enough money in the bank to pay the payroll, you know? So I'm always a little bit nervous about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, we're great, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just felt real cocky at that point. And then my accountant called and she's like, hey Ford, I don't know, you may have clicked something wrong on your uh, in your software, so it's not, debiting out or whatever, or pulling out the money, you know, going here. So it was a false number that I was looking at. Oh, and next no. thing you know, I'm just like, we were on the wire. 
I mean, we are right on the wire. Like I'd pay payroll and we were only doing like 30, I don't know, 35,000 a week. Uh, and that was six days a week, lunch and dinner. Um, and then two months in, we got our review and it was a four star review out of a five star mm. scale at that time. And then psh, it just, the then it opened open. up. Right. And then it was like, all right, hold on because it was busy. And then we had to work through um, that volume. All right, how are we gonna figure out this volume? Um, and a lot of it is like, I, I definitely have this in my genes. Like I'm not gonna get caught with my pants down twice. Hmm. I'll get caught once, but not twice. Right. Um, so if I learn something the next day, and that's kind of played a part in everything I do. It's like, I have this passion about how do we get better every day you know how do we make this dish better how do we make this service better and that's just where my brain goes you know right. and this is what i try to get everyone to think like that you know sometimes it doesn't work that way but it's kind of how it was and then all of a sudden yeah. you know how long is it at jct before you start thinking you know i'm sure there's chefs all over the country who open their restaurant. That's their baby until retirement. And that's their thing. Yeah, yeah. How long was it before you started to get that itch to say, "Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next thing." <laughs> it's not long. It not was like long. I think it was like one and a half, two years in. Yeah. I'm like, I was somewhat free to come mm -hmm. talk to guests if I need to or mm -hmm. whatever. I wasn't like just slammed in the kitchen. Right. And there was a guy there. Um, who had started the Cap Capitol Grill. Mm. And he has to talk to me. So he started the Capitol Grill and grew it and sold it. So he's right. been very successful. And I said, I'm ready to do more. And and he says, what are you doing in sales? I said, well, we, we're doing about 2.5. We should be doing 3 million this year. Mm. And he sees how big my space is. So he kind of gives me this look and he's mm. like, Ford, he says, I wouldn't do anything until you get this to 5 million. I'm like, you know what I mean? So I'm thinking to myself, no, nah, I don't want that advice. Not the guy. Um, it actually was advice. It actually is what ended up happening because in 2008, the recession happened and we had this fear that we were going to, you know, my investors just didn't want, they're like, uh, we're not going to start putting money into things until we see that you can weather through this. Well, sales just kept going up. I mean, 20% every year, No, you know, recession or not, just kept going up. So after about four years, we were like, okay, now we're ready. Right. And sales got up to five, six million. So to this guy's point, and he was right, he was 100% right. And at that point, it was like, I kind of had a good idea of what needed to happen to grow. And I had this passion for other chefs in the city. There's tons of chefs in the city that are friends of mine who don't have access to capital who didn't have access to capital at the mm -hmm. time. They may not have known the business side. They may not have gone through what I had just gone through to learn the business side of things and have all the different connections. So I thought, well, how can I help that? Because it's always, I knew I was only as good as my people. You know, I can't be everywhere right. all the time. So I would get, so I partner, you know, I called Drew Belleen, who was, at Float Away Cafe at the time, and I knew he wanted to get in his own restaurant. I said, hey, I've got this opportunity in Decatur. Do you want to partner and do it? He's like, yeah, let's do it. So we did, and that blew up. So then I was just full steam ahead. What was the thought process of, uh, 
you know, basically, I don't want to use the word franchising, but reversionizing what you had already done at JCT versus doing something new and doing something different. Yeah, the thought was, um, I looked at, I knew I wanted to have something that we were going to uh, grow or um, replicate, mm -hmm. but I wanted to have, I would call it credibility first. So we call mm -hmm. them, let's open five credibility restaurants. Cause I looked mm -hmm. at, at Danny Meyer, you know, in New York and I looked at, he started off with all these fantastic restaurants. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden as a, as a goodwill, he opens Shake Shack and Shake Shack, mm -hmm. you know, turned into this massive thing. <laughs> Rocket ship. So, yeah. but it turned into a massive thing, I believe, because he had this he had a credible background. Mm. So that was the thought is to, let's start with some credible restaurants. And then um, once I find a place that fits uh, Super Rica, because mm. that was my passion. I, I, you know, wasn't, I'd never cooked, you know, Tex-Mex in a restaurant before, mm. but I knew I ate it all the time and I knew I cooked it at home all the time and I loved it and I wanted to create a restaurant that I wanted to go to <laughs> and I knew that that type of stuff, that type of food wasn't really in Atlanta or the right. Southeast at all. So, I mean, a little bit here and there, mm -hmm. uh, everyone was using bought tortillas and it just was, mm -hmm. I just didn't like that. Um, so, Crock Street Market came along and I'm like, this is it. This is perfect for Super Rica, and it had the back dock where the where the trucks used to load in. I said, okay, that'll be our patio. Um, we can make a stage right here, and and then it just it's great. Yeah, and the Beltline is just belt eyeballs, line right there. You know, yeah. eyeballs. It's the and you know you get that uh, the Beltline envy as people are walking and riding past of like, oh, yeah. you know, that's margaritas. Spot. It just that's right, all margaritas. Worked. Yeah. It worked works well yeah. um you know you i've heard this phrase in, in entrepreneurship especially not specifically in the restaurant industry but i think it applies here and you were just talking about it is don't bet on the horse bet on the jockey yeah. and that's what you guys were doing really early on yes. was yes. establishing yourselves as hey we know what we're doing yes you know and so for the next spot hey investors like proof of concept is here, even though it's not exactly the same type of thing, we know what brings people in, we know how to take care of customers, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. So yeah. it's cool, it's it's very uh, parallel to, to other business in that way. But um, all right, take us through the the roster of restaurants at this point. I think, are you guys at 24, 25? You may Somewhere have, in there, yeah. Okay, and you're in, I think, five states at this point? Ballpark somewhere <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there. Could be, could be. Yeah. But what's uh, what's in the in the portfolio in 2023 now? So, uh, okay, let's start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I, I can't do it. So JCT was the first one. Yep. Two four six Indicator was the second one. Mm -hmm. Third was King and Duke and Buckhead, mm -hmm. and then I believe we went over to Saint Cecilia. Okay. Uh, Marcel popped in there mm -hmm. at some point. And then I think we moved to Houston to open State of Grace, which was across the street. It was in the neighborhood I grew up in, across the street from the school I went to. So that nice. was fun. Yeah. And then somehow, and then we got uh, Beetle Cat came in the mix. Uh, then we went to, we opened 
a Superica and La Lucha in Houston. Mm. Nashville opened a Superica and the Optimist. Mm -hmm. And right next to the Optimist, we have two other things. We have one that's Star Rover Sound, which is kind of our honky tonk meat snack bar. Right. And then upstairs is uh, Le Lou, which is our first intense cocktail bar hmm. uh, in Raw Bar. Uh, then there's other Supericas in Cary, North Carolina. Right. Um, which is like the triangle, right? Yeah, it's in okay. the triangle. Gotcha. Now it's probably a square because <laughs> it's. <laughs> right. um, but um, in, in we're under construction in Winter Park, Florida, hmm. which is a, basically Orlando. Uh, and then we've, I don't know, six Supericas mm -hmm. in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta area, the wow. Battery, uh, Avalon, Westside, Krog, hmm. I don't know, more. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great. I mean, oh, so and Little Ray. The, oh, there you go. Little Ray, which is an interesting yeah. side note, I think. Yeah. What Talk about the purpose for Little Ray. I think people, some people would look at it and say, okay, are you... Competing yeah. with yourself? Yeah, no, Little Ray yeah. is obviously smaller than Superica. Yeah. A little bit different, a little bit on the healthier side. Hmm. It's all chicken, all carbone. Again, wood, wood cooked everything, tacos, homemade tortillas, salsas, and all that. The goal for me was that it'd be nice to be able to go to different cities. And say we have a flagship uh, Superica in this city, mm -hmm. and we find a location that's somewhat nearby but it's not big enough for a Superica. Hmm. Well, let's do Little Ray. So that way we can kind of manage and there is somewhat of an economy of scale. Sure. So Little Ray was just another thing in our first, you know, dipping our toes in the water to a quick service restaurant, which was always really fun for me. There was a, there was a restaurant in Houston, Good Company. Jim Good was this, I wouldn't even call him a chef. I would just call him like a Texas cook. Hmm. And he had like a, cowboy hat on and a big old beard and <laughs> the guy just could everything just it wasn't fancy but everything really tasted good yeah. and, and he had a lot of restaurants that you would walk through the line and that was pre you know chipotle's and all this mm -hmm. kind of fast casual type stuff and i just we just loved it you know so i wanted yeah. my version of that so how's that how's that been for you such a contrast from the fine dining and yeah what's what's been your experience with that uh, you know, as a business model, it's been great. Mm -hmm. um, it's not an ego business by any means mm. from a chef. You know, it's just something that people enjoy. Um, so I love it. It's, it's, I, I see pictures of like kids like eating the pancakes <laughs> on the weekends or whatever. And that just floors me because yeah. I know those kids are going to be coming 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. And I don't know. Building things that, that last is kind hmm. of the goal, you know. They all won't last, but the ones that do, I'll be really that right. that standing the test of time is really the goal for me, you yeah. know. And that's just because it's bringing <laughs> memories to because I'm I I cook by the memories I had as a kid, and I'm mm -hmm. cooking the stuff. It's probably tasting better than it really did, but my <laughs> memory was really good. So I'm always cooking by my memory and. And I know people go, I see kids coming into our restaurants, they go off to college, mm -hmm. they come back from college, they get married, and now they're back in the restaurants, and right. I'm like, love it, you know, it's just so right. great. Well, we've got a few of those sort of generational restaurants yeah. in Atlanta, you know, that 
that yeah. it's like listen I love I love the varsity I don't I don't go just because of the the cheeseburger or the yeah. chili cheese fries. I go because I went Memory. with my dad before a Braves game. Yeah. You know, back in the back in the day. So it's cool to see that you're now at that yeah. that sort of age in, in some of your restaurants where yeah. you're, you're getting that that crossover. It's really neat to see. Yeah. Um, so fast forwarding, uh, you know, it it seems you, know, you talked about the 2008 recession. It, it kept going up into the to the right despite that yeah um 2020 and covid uh comes i know staffing was an issue for restaurants everywhere and i know that you guys probably weren't immune to that i'm sure mm-hmm. feeling like we're a little bit on the other side of that in a lot of ways in 2023 yeah. is it still for you up and to the right let's how can we share this experience with as many people in as many different cities as possible or do you have a other goals for the next 10, 15 years? No, it's still, I, I think it's getting better. It's just changed. I feel like COVID was kind of this, all right, let's throw everything in a bucket and churn it up and then let's see where the dice, you know, land when they <laughs> yeah. get out. Like some restaurants yeah. are all of a sudden after COVID are way busier. Some restaurants are way slower. It's yeah. weird. We're gone. Lunch yeah. is the interest, the most interesting thing. Hmm lunch is just not it's not there like it Mm. used to be uh i think uh, i think offices and workplaces Mm. are all they're either hybrids home come in the office not home so the whole business lunch is gone Uh, Mm. so that's really interesting um it's fine we just have to adjust our business accordingly but for the most part dinner is going up i think i'd say in the Sometimes we kind of hope for a recession because the cost of getting started, the cost of goods and really the construction is crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Um, It's that's almost prohibitive to growth. So we are kind of focusing a little bit more on little ray growth because it's smaller and a little bit less expensive to grow um it's also a little more recession proof Mm -hmm. um but super eco is also one that we're it's kind of a train that's on the track and moving forward so kind of want to keep that going you know as much as possible but um so growth is still um on the horizon but one of the things i'm real excited about but is JCT, uh, we kind of came to our end of our 15 year lease. And at that point in time was, all right, do we refresh JCT? Or is this an opportunity for me to uh, exert my creative juices and create something (laughs) new? And because I kind of hope JCT would be one of those long term things. And I just wasn't feeling like it was going to be that. it, it, it turned into a fried chicken restaurant, you know, mm-hmm. and not that there's a problem with that. It's just not, wasn't what I set out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so now um, we're re, we basically gutted upstairs and downstairs and, um, but we still have a kitchen and things like that. And it's costing mm-hmm. us about four times what it costs us to start <laughs> JCT. Uh, but wow. I'm super, super excited about it because it's going to be one of the coolest things I've done, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe since The Optimist. I think The Optimist was something 
but who knows? Sometimes my projections are way off. I think it's going to be cool and it sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's going to suck and it just goes crazy, you know? Sure. So. When, uh, when can the public expect to enjoy that? Yeah. July or August, hopefully. All right. So That's it's cool. under works right now. Well, you mentioned it. We're, we're sitting in the Optimist today. Yeah. Talk to me about the Optimist. How is it different from what you've done in the past? What have you enjoyed about it? You know, I liked the Optimist first. Then I, I felt like it it struck a chord in the in the city. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a like a musician or something writes a song and they don't they don't know what it's going to do, but all of a sudden it's just hit song and goes crazy. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the Optimist. It was this this environment that felt casual but was high quality. Felt like you were being transported on vacation and took you to another place. And, you know, where back in the day, I felt like Atlanta had some seafood restaurants, but they felt a little more corporate-y, you know, like like the managers would be wearing a suit and tie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was more like a, a, a seafood version of a corporate steakhouse. And so I thought, you know, I wanted a place that people felt like they were going to the beach, you know, hence mm-hmm. the, the little putt-putt course out front, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, because when you go down to Florida or Destin or whatever, it's like it's everywhere. There's a little pump of course. So right. it's like I wanted people to feel like, hey, I'm relaxed. I'm in another place. I'm sure. getting outside of the the rat race for a little while. Um, just wanted simple fish cooked over wood <laughs> and some classics. And it, I mean, it is cranking. It is busier than ever. It's awesome. So, the uh, the evolution of the restaurants we've we've talked about, the evolution for you, you've went from full time chef for yeah a number of years to putting on your business hat yeah what does uh, what does the next chapter look like for you? Do you miss the kitchen? Are you looking? Is that something you're going to do at at the revamp at JCT for a while, <laughs> or do you like the the flexibility in the freedom that what you're doing now provides yeah I feel like I have worked myself out of a job um, <laughs> I partnered with uh, you know at restaurant after after we opened 246 I uh, got a hold of uh, Toby Franklin who was um, really one of my old bosses mm-hmm. so we brought him in as a partner to help us grow and put the infrastructure in place and he mm-hmm. just has done a fantastic job and mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, you know, and he just takes on everything. And um, so I get to do kind of, you know, I'm kind of floating from above, just watching. Like, so my, you know, a lot of times people ask me, how do you, what's the biggest challenge for you having all these restaurants? And the biggest challenge is keeping my finger on the pulse of the business. So for what I end up doing is other than the visionary aspect of making sure everything is getting better as much as I can uh, yeah. and that the buildings are refreshed and so I'm kind of the one that spends the money mm. um, love those but uh, yeah. you know I, I I'm also like I have to keep my finger on the pulse of kind of what's going on so and I do that through like I mean Instagram I love Instagram because I can look at geotags I can look at pictures of food I can look at what people say uh, we have strong systems that, that that pull out all our reviews all our social media reviews hmm. so I'm able to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on I'll go around and I'll eat at the restaurants and I'll get hmm. a sense of what's going on but 
you know, they don't want me in the kitchen anymore. I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, I said to myself a long time ago, I see, I see like older chefs and they're so tight with the way they cook and what they've always done. Sometimes they get outdated. So I know when to let the younger chefs, you know, come up, but I still have like, you know, about a 10%, you know, nudge factor, try to encourage right. them because sometimes they, they go into an area of interesting versus delicious, <laughs> you know? So I bring them out of interesting yeah. into delicious, but they're welcome yeah. to do interesting as long as it's delicious. So I'm kind of That's the awesome. keeper of that as long as it tastes really good. So, and I'm just passionate about classic stuff. Mm. And, um, so I well, do, classic, I do this, not trendy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you've, I've heard you classic, say not trendy. That's and right. so, so I do all the fun stuff. Mm. So I like that and I still like that. And how, how involved are you in, in menu curation at this point? If it's a new restaurant, mm. I'm highly involved, heavily yeah. involved. Uh, if it's an existing restaurant, it, it's it's already on the tracks and it's already going. It already has its framework. Right. I'm more involved in. All right, is that chef engaged? Is hmm. that chef passionate? Is he is that chef buying the best ingredients, sourcing the best ingredients, hmm. or making their life easy? You know. Gotcha. So it's not about. It's not about. All right, what's going to be easier for me, or what's going to What's going to make me hit my bonus? We hired one mm. time, we hired a chef, Craig Richards, who's now gone off and opened Lila Lila, and he's done mm. fantastic. And he came to me and he said, we were working together at a dinner before he had worked for us, mm. or come on. And I said, how's it going over there? And he's like, man, I'm just bummed, you know what I mean? I want to buy from this farmer here. And, you know, the corporate office is telling me I can't buy from this farmer. And I'm mm. like, we fire people for not buying from a farmer and we've done it. you know what I mean? If you're not buying the best ingredients, yeah. you're not going to work for us. Mm. And he's like, really? So a week later, mm. come on. He was, <laughs> he was Love it. So, That's great. Yeah. Um, Atlanta, the food scene is worlds different than it was yeah. in 07. Yeah. Um, what, what's better about it? Maybe what's, what's harder about it? Uh, what do you see the, the future of food in this city looking like? You know, it's, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. I remember, I remember back in the day when, you know, Buckhead life, uh, was mm -hmm. king basically. And Buckhead in general was, that's where you go. Right. That's where you go to eat. Right. And, um, and then it transitioned into Concentrics restaurants where Concentrics opened one Midtown Kitchen. And one Midtown Kitchen was off the beaten path, was kind of in this um, warehousey area. You had to know where you're gonna go, but then you go in and you're like, wow, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. And I really think he, he started that uh, trend at least in Atlanta, as far as going off the beaten path and making restaurants, pulling them into into destinations, which honestly may have killed Bucket. I wouldn't say killed it, but definitely deflated Bucket. Sure. So that happened, and then so this was a so there's restaurant groups, and then all of a sudden there's you know Linton Hopkins and different people come in and they start opening chef 
driven restaurants, chef owned and operated restaurants. And that was the new phase. Um, and I still think we're still in that phase, which is yeah. great. Um, we're in, we definitely have a lot of smaller restaurant, like super small, small restaurants that, um, perform at a really great level and really interesting and good. Uh, we do have, uh, some restaurants that do go down that interesting path, <laughs> but lack the delicious path, uh -huh. which kind of bugs me a little bit. And, right. you know, and the problem is this, the, the, the local restaurant critics seem to want some of that stuff because i guess they're kind of bored uh but maybe that's just me getting old and <laughs> me wanting classic i don't know um i you know i really hope i hope more landlords take more chances on uh chefs that may not have a big bank account um uh, because we're going to get more interesting things that way um where landlords they want to know that they're not going to get out of money somehow right. you know so um i don't know maybe we're we're i think we're due for a shift to and style i do think cla i don't know again it may be my age but i do think classic is the new trend <laughs> i think um that's what i'm banking on it's all cyclical. um it's what i like anyway yeah. so um i don't know you know we will see it's been yeah. You know, COVID was tough for a lot of people and a lot of people uh, who are super talented are closing and they're blaming COVID. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You can blame COVID all you want. But the problem is you're super, ta you're almost too talented, you know, sometimes, you know, and sometimes it's just maybe not what people want um, if your restaurant isn't cranking. So I think right. people are start. I think chefs are starting to re recognize that kind of thing. And I Again, I may I may be wrong, but we'll see. We'll see yeah. if it goes down that classic route. Well, and it's interesting, too, because anytime you come into a recession, the purse strings get real tight, right? Yeah. And so you don't see hardly anybody new doing anything. Yeah. But then as you come out of the recession, it explodes and, and investors start taking chances on people. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the restaurant scene <laughs> yeah. looks like as yeah. we hopefully yeah. work our way back up yeah but ford this is an awesome conversation really appreciate yeah, you fun. having us and uh best of luck with everything you got going and hope to see you soon great thanks yep take care be sure to stop by the new super rico locations in dunwoody and west midtown for some incredible grub and follow ford and the teams behind his restaurants on social media at ford fry and at rocket farm faces Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. Make sure and follow the show on social media at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. This year, we have another new video series to coincide with the Our City, Our Story theme, which can be found on all our social media platforms. Subscribe to the Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel for that content and more. Lastly, if you love the show, please spread the word. Share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your support helps make sure that more and more people hear the stories of all those folks doing great things all over the city. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon.